Fanfic Writers Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Joe, aka Pebbly Sun, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, writes online under the name Copper Dust. You'll meet her shortly. In this episode, we return from our summer break to discuss the world of longfix. We define what a longfic is for us and explore the advantages of writing longer stories, including building a dedicated fan base. We also offer insights on chapter length, update frequency, and the possibility of revising past chapters. We tackle challenges like writer's block and address reader questions about character development and maintaining a balance in slow burn romances within fanfiction. In terms of admin, I also wanted to let you know that until the end of the year, the podcast will be released on a monthly basis instead of fortnightly. This is to ensure that it remains sustainable for me on top of other real life responsibilities. Lastly, I do apologize for the sound quality on my end for the episode. Unfortunately, my external microphone decided to give up on me. I'm now recording this intro on my phone. And as I'm now going to have to change the microphone, this seems as good a time as any to remind you that we have a Kofi <laughs> at which you can donate uh, at co-b.com forward slash the fanfic writers craft. Any donations are very much appreciated. We hope that you enjoy, but for now, buckle up. Get yourself a nice cup of tea and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. Hello and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. This is Joe. I hope you're all doing well. Lani and I are back from our summer break finally and we're very happy to record again. How are you Lani? What's been up? Uh, I'm good. Um it feels like it's been a long time since we've recorded. It has. I think we the, our last episode was like in May. Yeah, so it's <laughs> been a long time. Um, I'm back to teaching. Um, you're back to doing whatever it is that you do. Yeah, I'm back in Ireland. I was in France for most of August. I was working the, from there and then I had a couple of weeks off. I turned 30, which was a little bit of a big event. Uh, I suppose, but uh, but yeah, I'm back in Ireland and just starting to get back in writing. I have started to reread castles in the hopes that I can then work on the next chapter. So yeah, that's kind of my story. And I turned one number less than thirty. And <laughs> welcome, and welcome. <laughs> I went to Germany, and now um, yeah, I I made a lot of progress on check the spindle this summer i feel like i've turned an important corner with regard to starting to be wrapping things up in terms of the mystery plot so i'm really uh, looking forward to finishing check the spindle after two years oh that's so good i'm so happy for you i can't imagine i remember i distantly remember finishing a fic once um (laughs) you distantly remember finishing a fic (laughs) well i meant finishing like a long work um, but actually, Lani, this is a great segue because today we are going to be discussing long fix, uh, which I think is a very interesting uh, topic for a lot of people. So we're going to be talking about how to stay motivated when you're writing a long fic, why writers choose to even tell longer stories in the first place and the sort of unique struggles that come with writing a long fic. But I think one of the very first questions I want to ask you, Lani, is what is a long fic to you? So I think um, the two of us have two different definitions because I actually think of a long fic more in, the time, more in terms of how long you as a writer anticipate it will take you to write. Hmm. Um, I've sort of arbitrarily decided that if you think it's going to take you more than six months of real lifetime to write, then it's a long fic. I mean, I think if it takes you six months to write 2000 words, that's not really a long fic. But typically, I mean, some people write really quickly, right? So some people can hammer out like a 30,000 word story in a month. And for me, if something took me only a month to write, that's not going to be a long fic, even if it's super long. I'm not one of those people who hammers out 30,000 words a month, but some people do. So I would say if I anticipate it taking more than six months for me to finish, but it also has to be multi-chapter. So right. if you're publishing like a 10,000 word story all in one go, like that's not a long fic, even if you got severe writer's block and it took you a long time to write. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't have, like, that's not something that I would have factored in at all. I think for me, I'm very traditional in the way that I kind of go with whatever um, traditional publishing goes by. So to me, a long fic is anything over 50,000 words, which is the minimum length that traditional publishing considers to be a novel and a multi-chapter. I think if you're not writing, if you're writing 50,000 words and it's not a multi-chapter, I don't think that would count as a long fic because you're not, I think there's also an element of readers coming back to a long fic for like new chapters that you wouldn't necessarily have for, you know, a one shot that you publish as a one-off. So I think that's also a factor that I would take into consideration. I I mean, I definitely think it has to do with like serial publishing and the idea of having to cultivate a certain relationship with readers where there's an expectation that they're going to remember your story and come back for updates. And that's certainly part of the kind of unique relationship that readers and writers have that is special to long fix Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, something could be three chapters and your readers come back, but I've had people who will post on something I haven't updated in four years and say, like, I'm still thinking about this story. I hope you update soon. <laughs> so I think there's like a special Good for you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you to everybody who's still holding out hope for In Search of Mythical Kings. I, You know what? Sometimes I hold out hope too. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, no, but yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's an interesting thing and it's a perspective that I haven't really thought about. But yeah, I definitely think there's a very spe- special sort of relationship that you have with your reader when you're writing... Um, when you're writing a long fic that wouldn't necessarily be there if you were just writing one shots. Although I do, I have seen authors build that kind of relationship as well through one shots. If it if they publish a lot of one shots, uh, uh, one shots around like the same ship or around the same kind of story, even if it's not necessarily a multi chapter as such people kind of subscribe to them because they have this expectation that, you know, this author maybe hammers out like one one or two one-shots a month or whatever on the same theme. And I think, and I do think for those very prolific sort of authors, they, there is that relationship as well uh, with their readers. And, and kind of building onto that as well, what do you think, so what's the appeal of writing longer stories to you? Like, what do you think draws people to writing longer stories? Well, for me, I think when I write a longer story, it's because I want to dig really deep into something and there is simply no way to create the effect I want in a short story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the idea of like, I have a lot to say about this. I have a lot to share. When I write a shorter story, it's like, listen, I have this much to say about it, but I'm not going to say any more than what I have to say. So, I mean, certainly with a long fic, you're sacrificing a lot of the instant gratification and you're putting a lot of time and effort in. And you're also losing some readers who, you know, they don't want to read anything that's long or they don't want to read anything that's unfinished. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think sometimes it's just like, I have a lot to say about this and I want to take my time. And very often it's like, for me, again, getting back to settings, I really want to linger in this setting and appreciate every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And there's something about the pacing of a longer story that is so luxurious because you have time to explore little things. Like for me, you know, I love my favorite TV show is Mad Men and it's seven seasons. And what I like about the seven seasons is that it really gives you time and space to luxuriate in, in the subtle changing of, of, of the time, the culture during the 1960s, and you never feel like the pacing is rust is rushed. You get time to sort of have have slow moments with characters and and appreciate subtleties. So it it gives you a kind of luxury. And the other thing is like you know if you're writing a kind of a mystery story, you need time to like build up the clues, mislead your readers, and then also have your subplots at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, from what I've seen and what people are saying just on the internet and stuff, to me, there's two aspects of long fit. There's audience. And I think that's a very real jewel for a lot of people in certain fandoms. And it kind of, it does depend on fandom and it does depend on fit on ships. But there is, in certain fandoms, a preference for longer works. Often longer works that are finished, but also just kind of like people enjoying longer works more in general. And I think for people for whom having an audience and, you know, kind of 
building that up is very important. I think it's natural that these people kind of gravitate towards longer stories. I think for me that was never really a concern because again, I think I've said this before on a podcast, but I'm lucky enough that I never really struggled to get an audience to my work anyway. Um, so that was never really something that I was like, oh, I need to write a long fic to have more of an audience. But to me, it was more like about developing more as a writer, because I think so when I was a teenager, like really 13, 14, the first the very first thing I wrote was a long fic. Well, long. It was multi chapters and it was around 20,000 words, I think. It was shit. But apart from that, um, I think the reason why I wrote it that way is that I didn't know any better. For me, that was just what literature was. It was, you know, you, you kind of write something that's long because that's what I was seeing in like the novels that I was reading in original fiction. And so I think that's kind of what I was interested in. And then, but then I kind of stopped writing. And when I got back to writing for The Good Wife, I very much gravitated as an, more as an adult, I'm very much gravitated towards like the one to three K range of one shots. And I did it over and over again. And I wrote so many of these like short, shorter kind of one shots. And I got to a point where I felt like I was plateauing with these. Like I felt like, okay, I know how to do this now. I want to do something else. And I tried with The Good Wife, but I don't know, my life got busy and I kind of stopped writing. And then when I got back to writing, um, I wrote, I wrote in another fandom, which was Silk. And for that, I just, I think what drew me to write my first long work, which was Children, which totaled, I think, 143,000 words in the end. I think what drew me to that is just, I had an idea. Like, it was just, I think, I had an idea, and at first in my head it was a one-shot. And then I was like, okay, this might be a multi-chapter of like 25 to 30K. And then I kept digging at the idea. I kept thinking about it and I was having more ideas and more, you know, like the plot was making more plot. And and, And in the end, it ended up being a long work. And I think for Castles, it was the same having an idea and then being like, oh, I can build more and more and more. And so I think... To a certain extent, that's kind of what draws me to long works as well. It's just, as you said, having an idea and it being the, maybe not the only way, because maybe there could be another way I could explore this, but the way that I choose to explore this, because this is what appeals to me. Yeah, I think definitely sometimes it's like, you know, it just depends on what your idea is. I mean, I'm working on a story right now that is not going to be a long fic. It's multi-chapter, but it's not going to be a long fic because... I believe the subject matter doesn't require a hundred thousand words and also it's it's a comedy it's meant to be funny and the joke is only funny for so long right you don't want to drag it to its death Mm -hmm. if it's meant to be funny I think that like a drama or a mystery or a tragedy can take a lot longer but for something to be funny I mean certainly there are comedy shows that are many seasons but they have to come up with new plots and they have to introduce new characters, right? Because there's only so yeah. many times you can repeat the same joke. Yeah, I agree. So the next question, I'm very much looking forward to this question. Uh, so the next question you had on the doc is how long do you think a, chap- a chapter should be? Okay, I think this is another one of those things where we're going to disagree <laughs> on this. My, my instinct was between two and 8,000 words. Yeah. But then I decided to actually consult how many words per minute can the average person read mm-hmm. because I have an idea of how long a person, a reader should spend reading a chapter. Right. Um, I feel like a person should be able to read a chapter in not less than 10 minutes, but not more than 40 minutes. So I looked that up and my instincts are about right. So I'm going to say don't go below 2000 and don't go above 9000. Okay, it takes the average person 40 minutes to read 9,520 words. Of course, people sometimes get interrupted and whatever, but I think that if somebody has some uninterrupted time to read your story, meaning not under their desk at work, to all of you guys who I know are doing that, I'm not making any exceptions for you guys, okay? You choose to read my work at at your workplace, that's fine, but I'm not going to make shorter chapters just because your boss catches you doing something you shouldn't be doing, okay? That's that's on you. Yeah. No, um, but I, I do think, like, I don't think a chapter should be an hour. Yeah. Right? I think a person should be able to be like, 
you know, somebody calls them down to dinner and they're like, let me just finish my chapter and then I'll come down and the food should still be hot. Yeah. So um, at the same time, like sometimes there is an artistic reason to publish a chapter that's really short and I've certainly done it. But I would say that there should be an artistic reason that you're publishing a chapter that is super short. Joe, I know that you love much longer chapters. For me, it's just like, you know, when you're writing a fan fiction, very often people do not have a physical bookmark to put in. So they're just yeah. going to say, oh, I remember I was on chapter 15. And like, they shouldn't have to go back to chapter 15 and reread 10,000 words to find where they were. That's a very fair opinion. Uh, the only, so for anyone, for transparency, the only word that I wrote in our preparation document to answer this question is lol. That was literally <laughs> the only piece of note taking she did. Because, okay, so if you don't read my work, you will not know this. For those of you who listen to this and know me, I write very, 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 very long chapters. I've kind of, I've made notes because I was kind of curious as to my average length on my chapters on both of my long works. So for children, which was my first long work, it had 14 chapters and my average length is 10,156 words. Uh, the shortest being 8,000 words and the longest being 12,400 words. And then for castles, that went up. <laughs> so, so for castles, the average is 13,817 words. The, the shortest being 9,000 words, 9,100 words. And the longest being 23,000. Now, I'm not saying that anyone should be doing what I'm doing. I think the reason why I write the way I do and the reason why I write my chapters the way I do is to please me. Like, I think there's a very different viewpoint there of like, what is ideal for the reader and what is ideal for me. I'm writing chapters not with my readers in mind. The reason that is, is that I'm writing fan fiction. And for me, like, this is a very different exercise than what I would be doing if I was writing original fiction, where I had to think about audience, I had to think about appeal, I had to think about, like, if, is my book gonna sell or anything like that. For me, the pleasure of fiction is to be able to have long uh, works, uh, works that are as long or as short as you want them to be. So for me, there's no hard line. Like if you want your chapters to be 500 words, then go you. If you want your, your chapters to be 23,000 words, go you. The only thing that I will say, and I completely agree with Lani there, is, is that you have to know what you're doing in terms of your readership as well. Like I'm doing this because I don't care. I'm doing this because I know that I have enough of a readership that the fact that my chapters are too long are going to turn off like I don't know 10 or 20 percent or whatever of my odd of the people clicking on it doesn't bother me like if it's not for you it's not for you it's I'm writing this I'm writing this the way I am because it pleases me I if you are trying again if your goal is to get more of an audience if your if your goal is to appeal to more people then you should definitely keep your chapters within a more quote unquote acceptable range it really depends to me what your goal is and who you're writing this for for me there's a lot of things that i'm doing with my stories that i'm doing for my readers like i edit a lot I, you know, respond to comments. I do a lot of things for my readers. But the one thing I'm not doing is just like writing shorter chapters. It, it, it pleases me and, and that is enough. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> but is it because when you read somebody else's work, you like to read long chapters? Or yes. is it like, when do you decide this chapter is over? Like what makes you decide that? So each chapter has a, has a very specific story arc from the get-go, so I know where it starts, I know where it ends, and for me, it turns around a particular theme. So usually each chapter that I write, and that was true for children and it's true for castles, I can articulate what it's about in one sentence, and that is what drives me. So I'm like, okay, this is the chapter about X. If, and that chapter can be as long or as short as it needs to be, as long as it's about X. What I'm not willing to compromise on is like unity of theme and 
not necessarily setting but yeah you need a unity of team in within the chapter and within my vision of the chapter it's it's also what happened in a different way, but you know, with the Fulton Forge manufacturing, which is a one dot, but it's twenty to seven thousand words. For me, it was very important not to set it up in chapters because, to me, that was a story that was meant to live as a cohesive unit, and splitting it up just did not stand well in my head. And I think for my for other chapters, like that's kind of the same. Now, I have in the past cut certain chapters in the half if I felt like it served them. So, you know, if I have like a chapter and it ends up, for instance, I know that this happened with the, what used to be chapter six, which is now six and seven of Castles, there was a very natural break in between, like in the middle of the chapter, which I hadn't really anticipated. And it kind of came to a close and I was like, oh, maybe this is this is actually the split. And so instead of having one big chapter that would have been 16,000 words, I had two smaller chapters that were arranged like 8,000 words at the time because I was like, oh, this actually makes sense. They actually both kind of make sense as, as independent units. But that that is what drives me. It reminds me, I'm constantly being asked by kids like how long is a paragraph supposed to be? And they always want to, like, show me a length of text for one second, which is not long enough for me to read it, and just have me visually say, based on the amount of writing that appears to be there, whether it's long enough or not. Or they'll ask me how many sentences a paragraph has to be. And, like, I think it's hard for them to understand the idea that a paragraph is a paragraph because it's a, a theme or topic, mm -hmm. a unified idea, and that when you switch ideas that is when it's a new paragraph. Like, yeah. it's very hard for them to understand that a paragraph is not about how long it is. It's about how unified the content is because mm -hmm. they think a piece of writing has a topic. Then it's hard to get them to understand the idea that there are, like, subtopics within a topic. Yeah. So I definitely agree that a chapter shouldn't end when some sort of topic, theme, or emotion that you're exploring in that chapter has come to a close. Like, it is meant to address a specific thing. And certainly having an outline, I know people don't want to hear that word, but that can certainly help a lot. Um, yeah. And and I think also, you know, the last sentence in a chapter should be a powerful sentence because if you're going to make people wait a while until they read the next chapter, you need to close strong. Yeah. So my last sentence in each chapter of anything I write has to be more powerful than, you know, many of the sentences that come before it because there's a sense of finality to it. You know, because people are going to have to stick with that and wait until they're getting an update. And speaking of updates, um, you've asked how often should you update and should you have an update schedule? I have a really simple answer to the question, how often should you update? Once you have finished writing a new chapter and proofreading it, that's when you should update. You have to have finished writing the chapter. <laughs> the schedule is that every time you update, that's when a new chapter. Okay, so I think, do we, how do we feel about the debate of like writing and updating as you go versus finishing a long fic and then just like releasing the chapters on a predetermined schedule once the story's finished? I actually used to, like, when I was like a kid, I never published anything until the whole story was done mm -hmm. and then I would publish all the chapters at once and that's what I did as a kid because I felt like I didn't think people would read anything that wasn't finished I had no idea that like the majority of fan fiction is published chapter by chapter until it's finished like I literally was just so unaware of what <laughs> most people were doing um that eventually became unfeasible when I wanted to write really long stuff and wanted that sort of feedback along the way but i think i think people who wait until the whole story is finished to start posting have tremendous self-control yes agreed i don't have that self-control <laughs> if you if you finish the entire thing but you're still making people wait a week between chapters or two weeks like are you trying to create buzz like a tv show? yes i think i think i think that's what it's about for a lot of people is like you know, having an update schedule but you know having the story that's already finished to kind of create attention and it's true that I think you know and create like just the phenomenon of people wanting to come back to this story and wanting to read the next chapter yeah so uh this is Joe from the future a thought occurred to me when I was um re-listening to this and I think it's a uh, 
interesting add-on is I think there's an additional factor that we didn't discuss in the podcast, which might be that people do that to be on the front page more often. Because obviously, if you publish a fic once, like a long fic once, and it's complete, you will only be on the front page of AO3 once. And obviously, AO3 famously does not have an algorithm, which is fine. But I think a lot of people kind of use the front page as an algorithm of like oh if i want to be if i'm gonna publish long work like i have more chances to end up on the front page and thus be on people's radars but i think um there's a lot of fandoms where the front page is sort of underestimated and i think a lot of people are like oh, i never find fix on the front page or whatever but i think a lot of people do like especially in small fandoms the front page in my experience a lot is a lot more manageable and so it's a lot easier to actually just find content on the front page like i know that's how in the good wife like that's what i did i would refresh the front page every day and see what i wanted to read uh, and that was something that you could do because there wasn't you know it wasn't potter or star wars or whatever there's like thousands of fics published every day but i think even on bigger fandoms there's tags as well so you know you might not be on the front page of the harry potter fandom a lot but you might be on the front page of canon compliant for a bit longer or of i don't know like harry luna um for a, a little bit longer so i do think it's not just about creating a buzz as is it's also about um being on the front page and exploiting the front page which is how a lot of people find fix but anyway back to the episode so personally same like i i wish i had the safe the self-control to wait until the whole story was finished to publish but i do not and in terms of update schedule i think you should update as often as you're comfortable with like i think if you have, you know, if you're able to get a chapter once a week, once a month, whatever your preferred length is, but I think you should be in control of that. Um, I, I don't have like an update schedule. I have in my head when I start writing on a chapter, like working on a chapter, I have in my head when I kind of want to publish it but to me that just helps me focus like it just helps me having a goal and it just helps me having like a deadline-ish but it's not necessarily an update schedule in terms of like if I don't update every month like the world is gonna end uh, but it's more you know if I start like for instance I'm probably gonna start writing castles in like somewhere between you know the the end of next week to the week after that and then i'm like okay I, I know i kind of need like six seven weeks to write so that should take me towards like the end of october beginning of november you know but that's kind of the way i think about it um in a, in very loose terms mm -hmm. i yeah i think i wouldn't make a promise saying i'm gonna update on such and such date unless i'm like pretty confident that yeah. i'm gonna be ready to update on that date and usually i don't know until i'm very close to the end of a chapter or short story when it's gonna be done because yeah. i could get stuck at any point there have been a few times usually if i tell people i'm gonna update on a certain date it's because it's a story themed for a particular special mm -hmm. time of year like i remember last valentine's day i released lilac falls and i was planning on releasing it on valentine's day because it's a romantic story and i was like it was a shorter story so i felt that i could finish it in mm -hmm. that time and it felt like i really want that story to come out on that day as like a kind of valentine's day gift to people but otherwise um it's just too hard for me to know when i'm gonna finish because sometimes you get stuck and sometimes you don't yeah and i think um Another thing I wanted to talk to you about is I always think this is like a funny kind of question because I, I know there's strong opinions on this, uh, but how do you feel about going back? So if you're like, say, writing chapter 15 and you're going back to chapter one or whatever and changing things, how do you feel about that? I think in terms of alignment, we can agree it's chaotic, but is it chaotic <laughs> neutral or is it chaotic evil to do that? <laughs> Um, I think it depends on like what how major is the yeah. how major is the thing that you're changing. I think if you went back and if you found any kind of spelling or grammar error, you can fix it without yeah. telling anyone. I have occasionally gone back 
and changed something that I felt was like stylistically I didn't like it. I'm realizing now that in Merriman, I'm going to have to go back and change something because it's not consistent. But I still feel like it doesn't affect people's understanding of the general plot because I don't think anyone was paying that much attention to it other than me. <laughs> um, I've never gone back and changed something that like radically altered the reader's understanding of the plot in mm-hmm. a way that like would change their experience where they had to go back and reread for it to make sense. Like I've, n- I've never done that big of a change. But I will go back and fix little things on the way, absolutely. And I consider that to be, like, the unique privilege of writing fan fiction instead of traditional fiction is that you're allowed to do that. And the other thing is, like, I'll go back and make changes, not to the story, but, like, to add the cover art or to add the story trailer to the first chapter, which I think that's not even changing the story. That's just, like, adding DVD extras, which I think is valid. So, but yeah, I'm probably, I know in my heart that I'm the queen of retroactively <laughs> changing stuff that I've already published because you, there's a certain kind of mistake that you could only see after you yes. published it for everyone else to see. A hundred percent. I think so for me, I definitely do that as well. And I know some people have strong, like I've seen there was, I think it was last year or the year before I was on a discord and HB Discord and people were talking about this and the conversation got got heated because certain people were like, no, it's really, it's betraying your readers and everything. But I mean, I think they're referring to like major changes. I think even major changes. So for me personally, I'm not changing anything at the moment in Castles. When I go back and change things, I'm not changing anything that would deter the general understanding of the story. I am changing some scenes sometimes, or certain lines and stuff, especially if I've had feedback from comments that makes me think something wasn't clear enough. So that's happened a few times where I've had like feedback in comments where it's like, oh, I didn't quite understand this, or like, oh, this character didn't work for me because xyz and if it's something that i can fix and something that i can make better for the future readers that will come into the story then that is definitely something that i do and i don't really have a problem with it and if you want to like if you want to scream at me about that then fine um i think i have made so after i finished children children was my first long work and i learned everything with it but especially in the beginning, I wasn't very good at planning and outlining. And so there were a few, I knew when I finished the story, which at the time was a hundred thousand words, that I would one day go back and fix certain things. Like I knew there were certain details that I wanted to change. I knew that there were certain things that didn't work because I hadn't done the outlining well enough. And that it just, I hadn't really, I didn't really know what I was doing in that first fic. So I went back and I changed quite major things because when you add like 40,000 words, you do change quite major things. Most of it wasn't changing the outcome or anything. It was more adding flesh to certain scenes and adding certain scenes to make the plot make more sense. Uh, But I didn't change the overall plot. But I know that it's funny because I did that like two years after the story was published. And mind you, this was a very small fandom. So I was kind of like, no one's going to notice. Like I was like, I had two readers at the time when I was publishing this fic, no one's going to notice. And I actually like, I changed stuff and then someone messaged, someone commented me like, where? Because I, to change stuff, I had to delete some chapters and re-add them. And this person started being like, are you deleting the story? And I was like, no, 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 sorry. But I really didn't expect anyone to notice. Um, and now when I change stuff with castles, it's never happened, but I do, like, I, I do kind of expect someone to call me up, like, to call me out on it once and be like, you're changing stuff. But I am changing stuff. Again, that's the privilege of being able to write fan fiction is it is just, you know, being able to rewrite stuff and being able to add stuff or do corrections if something's not working. Yeah, and I mean, that's, yeah, it's like, and if you look at mainstream media outlets that publish digitally nowadays, you'll often find corrections made on an article that, you know, they'll say edited to state that like you've corrected this error or that error. So like yeah. that does happen. And not just and I don't mean spelling errors, but like they'll place they'll claim somebody said something and somebody actually said the opposite of that thing. So like errors they made that were meaningful. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a problem with it, but I think if you're changing something that is like very important to the meaning of the story, you should let people know so they can go back and reread and get yeah. mad at you. Yeah, that's fair. And so I think one of the things that we wanted to, to touch on as well is comments. So one of the questions that you had on is what we like and don't like reading from commenters on long fix. So what do you think? Oh, I've said this before. I really cannot stand people who comment only ever ask me if something is abandoned. Yeah. With the implication being that they have waited too long for another chapter. I must have abandoned the story. Please stop asking me that. Okay, <laughs> please just stop. And the other thing is when they say like, when is this going to be updated? And it's always the people who it's not like they leave you a really nice comment and finish it with when is this going to be updated? Or what is this abandoned? They only ever comment to say, yeah. is this abandoned? They never have anything else to say about the story. So if you're one of those people, please stop. Okay. Nobody wants to hear you basically imply that we're not updating fast enough when you're, you're not even letting us know anything else about the story other than that we're not matching your timetable of free entertainment. Yeah. And don't, don't come into my Tumblr DMs or Anans either asking this, please. <laughs> um, no, but I agree. And I, I do think there's a caveat to that conversation of like, if you want, if you're a writer who really, really cares about developing like your audience and having regular readers and stuff, you are going to have to have something of a stable, like regular update schedule because of course that is what people prefer because they know when to expect. It's like, you know, we release the podcast at a certain date and you expect that like the next month there will be another episode. So I kind of get that. And I, I do understand, like, I think, you know, that is something that you need to think about as well as maybe I kind of understand people who write in advance if not finish the story but at least have a few chapters are a few chapters ahead of what they're publishing because I think it makes it easier to cope with that thing of you know wanting to update semi-regularly so that people don't you know think you're abandoned something I am very lax about it like I think ultimately it's the choice of the of the writer and ultimately i think that's fair enough if you know i don't have an update schedule but i do understand to a certain extent that it is maybe easier to keep an audience and keep them you know coming back if you do come make them come back on a specific schedule even if that specific schedule is like every six months or every three months but at least they know when to come back so i do understand the appeal of that but i would also say that like i tell people who ask me when i'm gonna update i'm like you can literally just click subscribe and then you can forget all about my story but then one day you'll get an email and then you'll remember it because you'll know i've yeah. just updated and when i really care about a story i subscribe to it yeah. And that way, I don't have to remember to check it because I'll get that email when it's updated. Such yeah. a simple thing. At least in my experience for castles, I don't think it's like people not like being annoyed that they don't want to check it. Um, it's more, you know, people just wanting their next installment and, and feeling like they've been waiting a long time. But I, I know I know people are like, we all want that next installment and I want season three of The Bear. But like... <laughs> We, if you've ever written anything, you know that like yeah. writing one sentence takes so much longer than reading one sentence. Yeah. Writing a whole story takes exponentially longer than reading one story. Yeah. Like it takes so much longer to write than it does to read. So I understand I released a new chapter that took me four months to write and you've read it in 20 minutes. Like I get that. I can read too. But just like <laughs> understand that while you're waiting, there's other things in the world you could read to occupy yourself while yeah. you're waiting. You don't have to sit there and do nothing. Yeah, and I think also it comes back to the thing of like, you know, we write fanfic as a hobby and that, that really changes things. Because if this was my full-time job, then we would be having a different conversation. And I understand that you would expect to update on a regular schedule if you were, you know, paying for this content. And if this was, if you were my employer, I would understand that you would expect a certain work to be handed out to you on a certain schedule. But this is not the case. Like, I have a life. <laughs> uh, I, I would also say, like, here's the other thing about fan fiction. 
like when you go to an a la carte fancy restaurant, you can't go in there expecting fancy restaurant quality food on a fast food timetable. Like, mm-hmm. if you want really fresh, delicious food, you might have to wait 45 minutes from the time you order to the time it gets to your table. You can't go into a place and expect great quality food that's going to be given to you as fast as fast food. And people understand that in a restaurant. So that's the other thing. Like, I could update way faster if I just wrote down the first thing that came into my head. But yes. I want to <laughs> maintain a certain standard of quality that, yeah, you're, you are going to have to wait longer because right now, in business in general, there's this idea of, like, quality, price, speed, pick two. Yeah. Okay? Right now, you're paying $0, <laughs> so you've, you've picked price. And I like to think you've picked quality, because I work hard on these things. That means you're going to sacrifice your desire for very fast updates. Yeah. If you want to pay $0 and get fast updates, you're not going to get high quality. That's just the way it is. I, I completely agree. I think that's very... I think that's very true. Um, so another thing that we wanted to talk about is rider's block. So have you, what have, what are your toughest kind of rider's block incidents for, you know, long story and when did you get stuck? Um, I got stuck for a really long time on Check the Spindle and it was when I was writing the chapter where uh, Lily and Severus sneak into an abandoned uh, cotton mill. And I think it was the fact that there was a whole scene that I eventually ended up backtracking and rewriting to make it shorter because I had gotten into a type of pacing that finally when I went back and reread it, I just realized the pacing was way too slow and they were spending too much time trying to do something that really shouldn't have taken that much time in the chapter. It was like, it was like not interesting enough to justify the amount mm-hmm. of pages I had spent writing about it. And that was what had kind of dug me into a hole. So, yeah, the other thing is, like, sometimes you're interested in one thing and then you get interested in another. And then that first thing, you get blocked because your interests have shifted. And that very much happened to me with Check the Spindle. So, yeah, definitely the the chapter with the cotton mill was super hard for me to finish. And then the chapter that came after that was also very hard because after I struggled so hard to finish that chapter, I wanted to take a break. (laughs) And then writing the next chapter and getting myself back into that was super hard again. Um, I think sometimes it's not that I don't know what is going to happen. It's that I don't love the process of of writing down the thing that I already know the summary (laughs) of it in my head. Same. Right? It's like if I know... If I know the answer to the mystery, it's, like, frustrating to have to write all the scenes where they don't know, because I already know. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think, you know, the hardest part of writing is just, like, writing down what's in your head. Um, Or writing all these characters speculating on things that you know are wrong, (laughs) because you know the answer. Um, But, yeah, I think, like, for me... So it depends what we call writer's block. I think for every chapter, every every single thing that I write, apart from like really short one knots, I get to a point every time where I kind of feel but like, like I've hit a wall. It's never a situation where I'm blocked. It's just a situation of like, I, I kind of hit the wall and then I'm like, okay, how do I go? How, how do I go around the wall? Because I can't write that. But I don't really think of it as writer's block. Because to me, writer's block is something that lasts for a very long time. Like not necessarily very long time, but it will last for like a couple of weeks or three weeks or even months or years. Whereas like that kind of block just happens, and I usually solve it in like a weekend or two. So, so it's not it's not something that really blocks me for a very long time. And it's not. It's just. It's just something that requires a little bit more mental gymnastics than the rest of the chapter or the rest of the story. The moments when I do struggle to write, especially in like long works, aren't necessarily writer's block. It's when I get burnout. Like I get burnout every few months um, from trying to juggle work thick and just life in general and this happens every few months and i just i unfortunately have to take have to take time off because i just i get a bit but i i get completely burnt out and i need to recharge but that's not necessarily a writer's block moment in the way that i don't know what i want to write or what comes next or how to 
make something work. It's more like I can't focus because I'm exhausted. Yeah, I definitely get times when I'm putting so much of my creativity into teaching that I just feel like I have none left for anything else. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I'm just brain dead. Like, I'm just drained at the end of the day. Like, especially, I think, in the darker months of the year when I get a bit of seasonal affective disorder and then it's just harder to do anything. Yeah, I think I just, like, naturally tend to kind of, if I'm writing a chapter, I tend to work on it a lot because that's just how my brain works like I just can't get it out of my head so I'll work on it I'll work on it sometimes I'll do like I don't know 40 hours a week on top of my day job or whatever and then I get exhausted and I'm just like I can't do this and so I have like this summer kind of stepped away and and didn't write for a month because I was like I can't like I, I can't do this anymore I'm too tired um so yeah like I think but I think that goes more to like the struggle that we've talked about before of trying to you know juggle writing other for a lot of people as well like other creative endeavors and and like your full-time job and your life on top of that so yeah 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 and a lot of us also keep in mind are also writing original fiction at the same time so we have a lot of different creative stuff we're doing not just the stuff that you're seeing yeah um, so Joe wanted to ask next up, and I think this is an interesting question. What have you, meaning we, <laughs> learned from writing long fics? So, yeah, as I said, Children was my first long fic. And from it, I learned everything that I know. Like, I learned how to outline. I learned how to plot. I learned how to you know maintain my own interest because as i've said before this podcast like readers come and go and that's in fandom and that's completely natural and so i think it's very important to be self-motivated if you're going to be finishing a story and so yeah like that was that was a really important part and just you know how to i, I think children was my first time creating original characters as well and like I learned so much from that story also how to you know how to have or not have an update schedule like I did a lot of testing with children on like did I want to maintain at the time I was updating once a month and it was like do I want to maintain that like is this sustainable so I think I learned a lot in terms of also like how much work I could put on a fic on a like weekly or or monthly basis so yeah it was just like it was absolutely an incredible experience um and i was very lucky to be able to do it and I, I cannot recommend this enough to do it in a very very small fandom where no one cared i could get things wrong i could upload the wrong chapter i could like i did could, you do that no no but you know like i i could do so much stuff i could fuck up so badly because no one was seeing like I had about I had like two regular readers so all I had to do was like message them on tumblr and be like oh sorry I updated by mistake or something and you know that was that would have been enough so I think like that really really helped um and it, it helped give me like a playground to feel more confident when I was writing another long story I think with castles I've more owned in on my own style I think that was very important and that was something I was still kind of struggling with with children of like what kind of style I was interested in writing and stuff and I think with Castles I'm, I'm now like very certain and very confident in my writing style and I think like not necessarily well Castles and, and writing for HB has taught me a lot about audience um especially you know as the fic grows i think i've learned a lot from i've learned a lot from that um and you know knowing when and how to make choices that people might dislike and owning those choices because you know they are the right ones i don't think i would be able to have written castles the way i did had i not written children before i think those two really taught me a lot and really children my experience with my first long fic really informs my experience with my second long fic what about you um well some of the stories that taught me things aren't even that long um like the scene between is not long in terms of the total word count but it has 
like 10 chapters of content. And it was the first story where I really didn't write anything until I had outlined it from beginning to end. And it came along so much easier because I already had an outline. Because when I got stuck, I was like, okay, maybe I've gotten, I've started to dig myself into a scene that doesn't need to be here. And I need to just go back and stick to the outline. Mm -hmm. So that, that helps me with outlining and also with having like a coherent arc for the story where I knew that I was sort of opening something that I could end up closing and that it had like a specific shape to it. Um, I think In Search of Mythical Kings really taught me how to sort of create B plots and subplots. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that happened unconsciously without any planning. A lot of the sort of secondary characters in that story took on their own lives and began to have their own B plots that I didn't even plan. They just sort of developed themselves and it taught me the importance of developing your secondary characters, including your original characters, and letting them have their own goals that they're pursuing alongside the main characters. Mm -hmm. I think that working on Merriman and Chef the Spindle at the same time has taught me a bit about pacing, and especially when it's time to interrupt and change the direction of a scene. I And I feel like I learned this from the absolute master, J.K. Rowling, that there comes a time when you realize the scene has gone on long enough, it's time to like throw a firecracker in it and change the direction and bring it somewhere where people didn't think it was going to go. So that I definitely learned that. And I think Merriman also has taught me um, that when you get to the part of the narrative that is boring, but people have to do that thing, you can skip it because it's not real life. You can skip to the next interesting part. You don't have to narrate every single thing that people do all the time. Yeah. So when it gets to being like, this part is boring. It's like, okay, it can be in- inferred that this happened. We, I don't have to narrate every single thing that happened to them 24 no. hours a day, every single day. So just giving myself confidence to be like, it's not cheating to skip the boring parts. Like, that's what all writing is. Like, yeah. we already have real life to live the boring parts. Like, in a story, we can skip that and go straight to the parts that are interesting. Yeah. And I think that kind of ties in too. So we got a couple of questions from uh, someone on Tumblr that goes by the name Anna is trying AO3. So thank you very much for your questions. And I think that kind of ties into the first question that this person has, which was how do you show a character development after a time jump, which is kind of what you were saying in terms of, you know, in a long story, you need to do time jumps. You need to like skip over certain parts and and so how do you deal with character at the same time like i i think i think it depends it seems like you're writing a specific thing and you have a particular thing that you're imagining in mind and i'm i'm not really sure like what it is that you're asking about specifically um but it's like how long is the time jump like are we talking about skip to the next day or skip to 10 years later i mean i think it's interesting like if you've, I know you've seen Joe, but if anyone listening to this has seen Peaky Blinders, like from one season to the next, there's often like a big time jump of like several years. And so I think often the way they show the time jump is in the settings and costumes because you can see, you know, that their material wealth has increased. Mm-hmm. So they're dressing differently. Their home looks different. Their, you know, time has gone on. So the fashion is slightly different. Um, and then you know, obviously when you're writing, you have to describe these things verbally. Um, the other thing is, I think that, you know, why are you jumping this time period? Because, like, are you moving from, like, act one to act two kind of thing? Because I think a major time jump where implied character development has happened sort of off screen or off page, you shouldn't be doing that all the time because people need to see character developing happening character development has to happen like on screen and on page Mm -hmm. however it's okay if you're doing like the equivalent of moving from act one to act two or act two to act three that's when you can have like a major time jump in which implied changes have happened to the characters during that but just make sure that a lot of development has to be happening like on the page not being implied to happen between time periods yeah, like we have to understand why did this character develop and in what way do they develop? Yeah, I agree. I I think in that question, I kind of said it depends on the time jump and the circumstances. Because, yeah, it, it it like I I like the idea that you brought Peaky Blinders because when you think about it, nothing really happens in that time jump period. 
<laughs> like you know when because you finish season one and they're like in 1919 or whatever and then you you go into season two and they're in 1921 and yes so certain things has changed like you see their status change and the costumes and stuff but with the character all the character development is sort of done on screen like there's there's very few instances where character development will be done off screen the only one i can think of is the break between season three and season four i mean well we see a break where tommy finds out that grace is pregnant with his child and then in the next season they're getting married and there. the baby's already been born right yeah but it's not like there's that's not really a major development like it, it is a major the major the important meaningful development happened on yes that's the thing like her having the baby isn't the 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 very important one the only thing that i'm thinking of is i don't know where you are i'm very excited that you're I'm, watching i finished i finished all the seasons okay so I think the only one where they're kind of doing a um, character development during the time jump is after season three when everyone's when everyone gets arrested, and then beginning of season four you kind of see the aftermath of that with Tommy sort of living in the hotel, living in the big house, and no one is around him, and there is, you know, there's kind of like this jump of you know they've been arrested and you know they almost died and you see the repercussions after on the family but you don't necessarily see it happening in real life like you don't see what happened how those relationships really broke down when people got out of jail and perhaps they had a big fight or whatever like we don't really see that so i think and i think yeah and i think it gets back to the idea of if something is important you should be not you should be showing yeah. it directly and if you're not showing it directly that means it's not important so for example like in peaky blinders some weddings are important and you see the wedding on screen and yeah. other weddings you you don't see it's yeah. just implied that they happened and that tells us that whatever happened at that wedding ceremony was not important to the character development or the plot yeah I agree. Um, and the last question that this person sent is specifically so if it's a really slow burn, like a character study at the core of the fic with an eventual romance, um, how do you keep the balance between the two? And they also added if the fic is not uh, following the kind of I will fix him sort of dynamic where the love interest is responsible for fixing the character. So how do you keep the balance between the two. I'm not sure the balance between what two things. I think this person meant the slow, like the romance and the sort of character study aspect of the fic and like the other aspects of the fic. I mean, quite simply, like, you, you gotta have a plot. Like, people, people have to be doing things. People <laughs> have to have goals and then they have to get into problems that prevent them from reaching the goal and then they have to come up with different attempted solutions and some of them fail and then finally something works. And that's how you keep people busy in between the romantic scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the kind of rules that I have is, and, and this is low-key kind of inspired by the Bechdel test, which I don't know if you're familiar, but it's kind of this test about like female representation in the media where it's usually applied to movies where there are two named female characters who talk to each other about something that is not a man in a scene in a movie and a lot of movies don't even pass that test but the the kind and a lot of fan fiction doesn't (laughs) no but you're you're struggling with pov though like if you're if you're in the pov of the man it's really hard to see to show a conversation between two women without a man being involved unless you're like spying on these on these women which is a different problematic way but anything but anyway um so i think in my head it's kind of like going to going to that point and and what i mean by it is trying to have scenes between people that are not about the romance so kind of like okay being like i need to have at least one scene in this chapter that is not about this romance and then being like okay so let's say my characters went on a date and the next big scene that i have is my main one of my main characters going uh to discuss the date with a friend okay so what if i wanted to 
like between those two scenes, which are my major two scenes of my chapter, maybe I can insert a different thing, a different scene where my main character, one of my main characters, is doing something else, and kind of trying to keep that balance between, you know, like okay, these are the big scenes, the big romantic scenes. These are, you know, the the smaller scenes that I can insert on a B plot or a C plot to kind of keep the balance within one and the same chapter. Um. Yeah, and I would also add to that that like, if what you feel like, if you feel the romance is the heart of the story, and then the other plot stuff is secondary, then a good place to look for inspiration for what kind of plot can keep your characters busy other than the romance in a romance story. You should look at like romantic comedies because often they're really good. Mm-hmm. Like we know when we watch romantic comedy that it's really not about keeping your bakery afloat, or like it's really not about. <laughs> opening your bed and breakfast in the Hamptons or whatever. Like, we all understand this, and yet they find ways to keep the characters busy so that you're not only thinking about the romance. So one example I'll give, the main character in the romantic comedy book Confessions of a Shopaholic is a woman who is basically addicted to shopping. And over the course of the story, in addition to the slow burn romance with the guy that in the end they get together, you see her going through various different ways to try to earn extra money to sustain her shopping addiction. And, you know, she gets into funny exploits with trying to get all these additional jobs um, on top of her main job, which ironically is being like a, like a financial columnist journalist when she's like a pathological shopaholic. Um, And then of course, finally, you know, she tries all these ways to earn money, but then you know, none of them really work because ultimately the problem is that she has no self-control over her shopping. And finally, she learns that she actually has to develop fiscal responsibility and not <laughs> buy everything all the time. And it's only when she gets to that point that she also manages to finally get the man and they fall in love and get married. And then he turns out to be rich so she can be a shopaholic anyways. Right. And then that's how the story is resolved. So, but like throughout the course of the story, it's not like in every scene she's trying to get his attention, right? In every scene, she's constantly trying to fix this problem of how, how do I pay for the enormous amount of designer bags that I keep buying online? Right. And then, but then as we come, as it, the story comes to a close, you know, the romance wraps up Mm -hmm. and the same thing with Bridget Jones diary, which is, you know, the really, really classic, like, 1998 era romantic comedy story about Bridget Jones, who, um, you know, she's, like, in her 30s, and she really wants a man and to get married. But if the whole story was always about her wanting a man, then it would get boring in one note. So she has various other misadventures around. She's trying to lose weight. She's trying to quit smoking. She also has kind of a shopping addiction. So she's always looking for solutions to those other problems along the way. And that's why you need to have your character have some other kind of problem or goal in life that they're seeking solutions to along the way in between romantic scenes. Agreed. Um, so this is Joe from the future. Uh, in my defense, when we recorded this episode, it was really late, so there are things that I forgot to say, even though they were in my notes. Um, I don't disagree with what Lani said and what I said in the episode. Like when we recorded, I think that's very true. And 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 balance is very often very necessary. And there are ways to accomplish balance by introducing other plot elements or C plots or B plots or whatever. Um, but one thing I wanted to add is, don't think that you need balance just because everyone is telling you so. And what I mean by that is there are people now keep in mind this requires an inc- like an incredible amount of talent um and maybe you know you don't feel comfortable at the writing stage that you are at uh, to make that kind of decision yet but there are people who are able to do straight up 100% romance without any non-romantic B B plot or C plot Um, and I think one of the very good examples that we've seen in recent years and which is a book that is you know one of the biggest books of the last five years is uh, Sally Rooney's Normal People in Normal People like there are elements there are outside elements in terms of you know the main characters families and 
their relationship in college and all that stuff. But arguably, I I wouldn't say any of these would even qualify as a B plot or even a C plot. There is no C plot. There is no B plot in normal people. It is entirely about the relationship between these two people. And everything that is outside of that relationship is there to inform the relationship. And I know that for me, when reading Normal People and when I first read that book, that was one of the things that struck like me the most is I was like, how does she do that? Like, how does she maintain an interest when there is the entire book is just scenes of dialogue between the two characters and that's it now i appreciate that not everybody's sally rooney <laughs> and i personally am not sally rooney so i don't think i would be comfortable taking that risk of not having a balance and of not having different plots but you know, if you want to do it and if you feel comfortable doing it, do it. I don't think you should force yourself to have... You, you should have balance if you want it. But I don't think you should force yourself to create balance just because that's what everyone is saying you should do. Uh, but anyway, back to the episode. Okay, well, I think we're going to ha- wrap up. Uh, this was a very interesting episode. So do you have any recommendations for us this week? Um, I want to recommend one of my favorite writers in the charioteer fandom, which is Rhea Itis, R-H-E-A-I-T-I-S. And I want to recommend her story, Not a House or Even a Tent. Great. And I know I very rarely recommend fan fiction, uh, but I am recommending uh, The Wilderness by Speechwriter in a, uh, in a on AO3 in the Harry Potter fandom. It is incredible um, in terms of the writing and the magical world building. Uh, I really, really like this writer. They wrote another story called Toxicology, which I also really like, but this one really blew my mind in terms of the the metaphors and the, the, the world building. Uh, this being said, there is a little bit of a trigger warning for uh, mental health stuff. Okay, uh, Lani, where can we find you online? I remain at copper underscore dust on AO3 and Tumblr. And I am Pepsend on AO3 and Tumblr. You can find the podcast if you have any feedback, suggestions for topics for next episodes at the at uh, thefanficwriterscraft.tumblr.com. Our ask box is open. And if you want to help finance the podcast, you can head to co-v.com forward slash thefanficwriterscraft. This allows us to pay for hosting fees. Bye, everyone.